0: It all started, I just wanted to get a plaque, a small little plaque that you could put in the wall or the railings there. You can see the railings in the background. And it was just a small plaque I wanted there. But, like his friends and Mark's brothers then said, they remembered when they used to go camping in the Dublin Mountains up towards Rockbrook. And they noticed a lot of granite in different fields that was embedded into the ground. So we all wound up one day uh, with a, a couple of cars and a trailer. and we asked the farmer, could we have to put a piece of granite, you know? And we went to get the pieces of granite, but we didn't know how deep down they were, and we were stumbling and falling and trying to lift it. We didn't have equipment with us to actually lift it out of the ground. We had to use our hands. We eventually done it, and I brought a bike, and I took it with square of ground about six inches deep, and I explained to the stone masons what I wanted, and they said, yeah, that they could sand a face of the granite smoothing it off a bit and then carve out the inscription that I wanted to put in it. So it's been there ever since and I normally visit it every so often. I come down and just have a few words of Mark on my own, you know. And i would never absolutely never think about him. I always just think about Mark.
1: And never, never think of the other side of
0: the park at all. In nineteen
1: ninety seven 53 homicides were recorded in the Republic of Ireland. The victim of one of these was Mark O'Keefe, aged 20, a shy carpet-fitter from Talla in Dublin. But after the initial flurry of support and interest, what happens to those left behind? How does the state deal with the families of victims? And what happens when the families of victim and perpetrator are separated by just a field?
2: On the 30th of May, Mark came in from work, he went up, had a shower and he was after being up in the square and he got runner's jeans and an adidas top of us, a polo shirt. And my friend was sitting here and we were just having a cup of tea and he came down the stairs and like that, he just walked out the door and that was the last I saw him, Mark and he, was, he just looked great that day. Uh,
0: I was sitting on the sofa, which is in the sitting room, and I started to nod off because it was, it, was, it was such a fine day, you know. And I was nodding off and I was awoken down
2: by a commotion. The kids were out playing um, and um, I was sitting in the chair there and knock knocked the door and I went out and it was one of Paul's friends. Paul is Mark's brother and Paul's friend knocked on the door and he just said to me, Catherine, Mark's been in an accident on the field. And I just ran in and Tammy had boots on him, he just put the boots on him and he ran out down the lace and I was opening them. So I was running out the door and I forgot
0: my shoes. I come back here and put them on me and I, I ran out and I jumped into the car and I asked the owner, Where's the accents? Which part of the estate? So I was driving out and he said, It's down at the field. So I'm driving down and I see a huge crowd on the football field in a circle and all of a sudden, like my heart, just a pound, you know. So I pulled up at the field, which is right opposite the small shop, and I couldn't get out of the car because, like, my legs were just numb because I was panicking, you know. I was running, but I wasn't getting anywhere. And then eventually, then I just fell on my legs. And I seen everybody looking at me, and I heard someone saying, Here's his father. And the all just, like, the circuit just opened, and I just saw a mark on the ground and Paul was kneeling over him and I ran over and uh, I looked down on him and his eyes were looking upwards and I knelt down and I picked him up and I could hear Paul telling him, Dad's here, you'll be okay. So I just picked him up and I took Paul's jacket off his head and I saw a scalp that fell down over his ear. And I fixed the back and I pulled him into me and I said, "Mark, Mark, you're yeah, right? And his eyes just kept rolling, and I said, "Mark, I'm here. It'll be okay." And I could start here come on down, you know. And uh, he just passed away. And I I'm, couldn't I'm kind of show it. But well, he knew I was there, you know, because I wouldn't like him to think that he'd died. On his own, and I failed. But uh, it was just top of shock. It was just like this is not, this is not happening. This is not real. A normal day, and I said, I'm going to wake up on the sofa, and I'm going to say to Kate, "I'm not drive. But uh, the morning got worse because as I was thinking, then the police cars were arriving, f- five, six, seven of them. And then the ambulance arrived. The whole field was blocked off. There was police everywhere. And uh, I just didn't know what to to do or what to say. So he was taken away in the ambulance and I just got back into the car. And I came back up to the house. And when I parked outside, the hall door was open. And I could see straight into the kitchen. And I could see Kay. And she knew there was something wrong. And she said, out, so she, don't you tell him. I come in here and tell me, aunt. now it's my, my my son. And I just, I just thought i they care.
2: And I said, do 'Don't tell me, aunt. Don't tell me that man's gone. And I know that I was just banging Tommy's chest. I think it was then. And...
0: and I should start smashing everything.
2: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was just got really upset, Tommy does when he talks about the field. And it's just always the same, isn't it, Tommy? Before you." Yeah. he just relives it all again.
0: It's eleven years at the moment, and to me, it's only five seconds. I can nearly tell you, like at like the, the, the height of the grass around at the time, I can see it that clearly. I can see the people, I can see the police cars riding me arms. I see Mike. I'm holding Mark and I can, I can hear people mumbling all around me, you know, and it's it's just very clear, and it always will be, always will be. Just doesn't go away. Never goes away. I uh,
2: wasn't down near the field. I didn't go down. I just remember on the Saturday, um, um JP came out and he just gave me tapas, kind of to relax because. That's all. I don't really remember anything. I slept in Mark's bed for a good few nights because I could still feel him. I could smell him, if you understand what I'm saying. And I just have all Mark's things all packed and I have them all in the attic in the case because I wouldn't give nothing away, belong belonged to him. They're just my things that I hold on to. And I have his aftershave and his brush I still. Still have that, and actually his leather jacket, which he bought up in the sheepskin shop up in the square, his dad wears. That it was an expensive jacket, wasn't it? It's a bit hotter but than it's town now. The
0: lining and it's, it's probably just me being stupid or whatever, you know. But I just like to wear it every now and then. It kind of picks me up, cheers me up a bit, you know. And uh, that's why I wear it, and I just keep it there. And sometimes they just look written. Just hold the even think that he wore that, you know. Things like that, you know. No, I wouldn't get it washed or not. Because I, I, I don't think it was any of the, the, the flavours, as you might say,
1: from his, from the past, you know.
2: Even to so. his razor and all, to shave and thumb and I just still have it all.
1: 104 witnesses saw the attack in the park that Friday evening. Mark had been talking to a friend on the field when a young man he had never met ran onto the park armed with four kitchen knives. The motive for his unprovoked attack on Mark is still unclear, but among Mark's multiple stab wounds was one that pierced the right ventricle of his heart.
2: Well, the morning after it really was that day were the newspapers were here for photographs of Mark for, to put into the paper.
0: They told me that he was out in bail for a serious assault on a taxi driver and it was a very serious assault. That he had
1: literally at the skin off the man's face. When you found out
2: that Mark's attacker was somebody from the area. No, he wasn't from our area. Okay. No, he was he, he wasn't from our area. He is from um a private estate. But we didn't know anything at the time, you know, we didn't even know who he was, never even heard of him. I didn't even know his name at the time.
0: And after they had left I found out from somebody else when he left the field after killing Mark, he proceeded to go home. And from there, he went up to Belfast and crossed the ferry to Scotland and down to London. And had made arrangements then to give himself up and had a barrister and a solicitor dealing with it over here. So when he came back to give himself up, I think it was on the following Tuesday or Wednesday, Dave met him and they went to South Carolina Station.
1: Four days after the attack, a 20-year-old man from across the park was charged with Mark's murder. At the time of the killing, he had been out on bail for a savage attack on a taxi driver, biting his face a dozen times. After also being charged with Mark's murder, he was granted bail once more.
0: Now, I find that strange for a man that would, uh, was already on bail, with serious. Assault had left the jurisdiction of the state while, while on bail so obviously he broke his bail conditions and given bail again for a more serious assault than the serious assault he was on bail for so I, I went personally to the DPP and I wanted a confirmation from them as to why this happened and a month later I received a letter from him and the state's the decision to grant bail in this case has been given very careful consideration. However, it has been decided that there is no legal grounds to review that decision. Yours sincerely, Legal Assistant. I say it was about a week, a week after the funeral, a man, the wife was up visit Mark, and it was only rough, a rough mound of clay and the flowers were beginning to wither on it. And the guards arrived in the police car, in the unmarked police car. We went over to them and he said that they, they apologise for for interrupting us and that. But he said that uh, the mother and father wanted to meet us. And would we have any objections to meeting them. So I said I'd let them know that like, later on that night. So we we came home, we talked about it. um we assumed that they'd be just as upset as we are, you know, because they didn't send him out to do what he'd done. So uh, I found the guards and I said, yeah, that we would meet them. One of the guards came here, brought us down to the spa well, and he introduced us them. And we just said hello, and they said hello, and we started more or less general conversation about how you're keeping and stuff like that, you know. The father turned round to me and said he that it was an awful thing to happen and says he but uh, says he, says you suppose it, like it could have been the other way around and I said uh, what do you mean by that? What well, says he, like, it could have been your son that killed my son? I challenged the manna and then I said enough of this. I said to the wife that's enough talking here. We're leaving and we stood up and walked
1: out. Within months, Mark's killer was jailed for seven years for the earlier and separate attack on the taxi driver. The judge described it as the attack of an uncontrolled, rabid animal. He was in prison two years for this crime before being tried for Mark's murder in the Central Criminal Court in October of 1999.
0: From our point of view, like, we're trying to the situation here at the deep end and everything is turmoil. Well, you know, everything is upside down. And the, the system of the courts and all that the surroundings is very uh, overpowering. And, like, like you, it does make you nervous. Your heart is beating fast and you're looking around. There's guards, there's barristers and looking weeks and all that around you. And it, there's pipe all piled up on the desk and all the reporters. And the court is full of people. Plus, like, he had, uh, he had a senior counsel, junior counsel, solicitor and a clerk, clerk's runner. We only had one barrister, for the state, one barrister. And we only met him the week before we got the coward. Whereas he
1: had a year and a half for us to to get him. Although he was charged with murder, the jury returned a manslaughter verdict and he was sentenced to ten years. The judge described him as a menace to society.
0: We live about, about 300 yards away from where Mark died. Yeah, that's how close I was, you know. If I walk out to my front gate and stand on the footpath, I look to my left and I can see the field. And uh, that's how close it is. And it's a constant reminder. Uh, We've often thought about moving, but we wouldn't move out of this house because we wouldn't leave Mark. We wouldn't leave him on his own, and that failed.
2: Never, never, I'd never ever leave this house. Even if I owned a lotto, I'd still be living here no matter what, as this is my home. This is where I raised my my children in, and sat and Tommy. And it's just never ever do it. I'd never move from here.
0: No, because this house is us, and we're this house. We are a family of eight. We still are a family of eight. Mark is still here. We still talk about Mark in the present, not in the past. And he's part of our future, and always will be.
1: It's September 2008, and Tommy is in the park. 11 years have passed since the attack 11 years and neither family has moved They remain on opposite sides of the park I wonder how the other family is getting on So I contact them to see if they'll tell me their side of the story But they're not interested Their son was given 17 years for the two attacks But, having served less than 11 The O'Keeffes have now been told to expect his release in five months' time That's February 2009
0: this is a, this is where I be close to him, because I was kneeling on the ground when I held him when he died on this field. So normally every New Year's Eve, just before twelve o'clock, about half eleven, I'd arrive down here, and I'd stand here just talking to him on that, you know, and all the fireworks be going off all over the area, you know, and people coming up through the hall doors and saying Happy New Year and all that, and I do. It's kind of sad in a way, because to me, it's not Happy New Year anymore. It's just a big emptiness. And I'd think of my wife and kids, and they're probably feeling the same. You know, like everybody puts a bright face on, but inside you're dying, you know. Really, that's that's how I feel about it. But uh, it still goes on, and as long as I'm alive, I'll be down here every New Year's Day, half eleven. And I just hope he can hear me, you know, that he's with me. they he's standing beside me when I'm, when I'm looking at the memorial stone.
1: Tommy, do you ever think about the family on the other side of the park? Never. They never cross my mind. And we
0: don't mention it at home, because I don't, I don't make sons or daughters. to think of them either. Why should I waste time just to validate that family? It was the worst day in my life and when they ever made contact with us. But, uh, no, I I wouldn't give them a thought. i never, ever think of them. You know, I, I just, I don't know. That's just the way I am, you know, and the way Kate is. She never mentions them either. And she does mention them, it's always them. It's never by name. It's always them, you know. That's, that's the way they, you know, with really. it. But I don't bother talking about them. Any of them. If they were... If they were run over by a, a truck or anything, I'd seen it, I'd walk by them. I'd leave them under hold. Now I know it's not nice to say that, but that's how I feel. They're, they're not human beings to me.
1: How much longer will Mark's attacker be in prison? He's
0: due on Valentine's Day 2009. I don't even want to think about it, to be honest with you. Because... I don't know how it would feel if I did come face to face I'm hoping that I'd be more mature about it like I can't turn the clock back and if I was to do something on this other guy that would only make me like him and I'd be turning back a mark by doing that so it's a mixture of emotions whether it's a vengeance or they will walk away he'd be dealt with anyway, you know. After he passes his life, he'd be dealt with. So, I'm kind of hoping that I would think that I would walk away. My worry is, uh, my sons, because they're very angry. Well, there's two of them very angry still. After being robbed up their oldest brother. And I've I've had my talking to him about it. And the anger would build up in the moment of the conversation and then it subsided. but you could see in their face in their eyes that you know it's deep, it's deep anger you know? and hopefully they won't meet this guy please God
1: they won't anyway Do you ever go over that side of the park?
0: Never, no never, never do I've never had a reason to go to the far side of the park I always stay on this side we're only open class people they're slightly slightly above us because we, we live in a council estate here, there, in the private estate but there's great people around this area there's lovely people in this area and I'd never move out I'd never leave this this house of men or this stone here the memorial stone we're looking at I'd feel that I'm leaving them on his own again and that'll never happen again. Happened once and never happen again. Therefore, I leave my house in a in coffin as well. You know? That's the way I look at it.
1: Four months have passed. It's now January 2009. I called to the O'Keeffe's to see how they're preparing for the release on Valentine's Day. Hi, Al. Tell me, how's it going? But there's been a development. Well, actually,
0: uh, I was walking on a Friday. Uh, I was in walk, and uh, my, uh, my mobile rang, and it was to inform me that there was a letter being sent to me explaining that he was getting released for the weekend. And that it wouldn't arrive in time that he would have been finished his weekend release by the time I got the letter. So it, it was to inform me that he was getting that weekend off and it would be in print during the week it would be sent to me and if I had to inform my family of, of what was going on. And he felt that he was going to give the go ahead for full-time release, earlier release, earlier than the 14th of February. If he was getting out that weekend's he would have been out that morning before I got the phone call, so he would have been already ill. So to inform me so late in the day, I thought it was 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 a bit un- unreasonable because they were informing me after the fact that he was already ill, you know. And plus, they, they were putting it in writing, which I wouldn't have got till the following week. So either myself, my wife, or any member of my family or extended family. Might have bumped into this guy, and not knowing he was released, because uh, most of my family know him from the trial.
1: So, when you got the phone call, how did you tell the rest of your family?
0: I told the wife first, you know, and she just more or less didn't say anything because like we don't have faith in the government, you know, or the justice, especially the justice system and the court system, you know, like the way we were treated, we just lost our confidence in it really, you know. But she doesn't say much she's, she's she's very deep and very, very, very hot.
1: And when you got the news that Friday afternoon, did, did you break the news to Mark? Did you tell Mark?
0: Oh I did, yeah. Oh I did, yeah. I was up in Barnabena. Each time I go up I always talk to him. I always kinda of keep my informed of what's going on. But that day that I went up, I was saying to him and I said, like, you probably already know this that he's he's getting released. And I I just wonder what your thoughts were on it.
1: You're talking there about the possibility of bumping into Mark's killer. Do you have a picture in your head of what he would look like at this stage?
0: Oh yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. He's very distinctive. He's very distinctive. And if you saw this guy once, you can never forget. He has certain features and certain eyes. To me, look cold, and I never forget looking at his eyes in the court. I, I focused on him. And there was that it doesn't matter if he was 60.
1: I know who he is. Yeah. For months now, Tommy has been preparing himself for the February release of his son's killer. But the way he's been told this latest piece of news has unnerved him. And the surprises don't end there. A fortnight later, I'm back at the house.
0: Yeah, the letter came to the house it was just to me. And I, I knew it, but, but by looking at the letter that that was from the prison service, because I had received a couple of letters from them, so I knew by uh, the Herb and Irish Prison Services stamped on them. So uh, I read it first because I didn't want her to open it. It dated on the 20th of January, but I didn't receive this letter till Monday the 26th of January. And it reads re- as follows. Dear Mr O'Keefe, I refer to my letter of january the fourteenth, in which I advised you of the outcome of the parole board process in relation to the person that killed Mark. In my letter I I committed to updating you if there was any further progress in this case. I therefore must inform you that the person that killed Mark has been approved for full temporary release, with effect from today, the twentieth of january two thousand and nine. Yours sincerely, victim liaison officer in other words he's out from the 20th of January 2009 and not the 14th of February so he's even getting more time off after his time off for behaviour the the, 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 the honestly maybe I I, I I should probably write him a letter you know, that, that like, it's probably me that owns, an, owns him an apology why he was locked up. Because by looking at this, it wasn't his fault and it was all a mistake. And so they they giving him time off because of it. And more time off, and more time off. You know, it's all it's all him, how well he's doing. He has a future. He has to come back to his family and start his life with, with his family, his brothers and sisters and his parents and all that. There's nothing about us. It's all, it's all him and that's why I don't have any faith in the, in, in the justice system because I went to the prison service. I arranged a meeting with the prison service. It, it was myself and my wife who had done all the writing and ringing and finding
1: out information. I was the one that had to do it all. When victims' families requested... The Irish Prison Service undertakes to inform them of any major decisions in advance. In this case, the service says its victim liaison officer handled matters correctly. But when the biggest decision of all was finalised, the O'Keeffe family was the last to know. The youngest of the family, Shane, was only eight when Mark was killed and still lives with Tommy and Catherine. After Mark, the eldest brothers are Paul and Thomas.
3: I just got a text, um, I was in college, I just got a text from my mum saying that, um, that he's out. You know, I was shocked because um, I thought we would have got more, um, something like a lot earlier to say that he was getting out but my mum said, I texted her back and she said that she got a letter saying he got out, he's out already and he got out on my me, me me granny's uh, birthday and uh, I just knew with a text that my mum, you know, she like, I could just picture her sitting there like she, it would have killed her, you know, because like my mum really like shows her feelings and uh
1: your dad said he was worried, you know, because you're more likely to bump into him than he would be because you're more his age. About how you might react
3: if you bumped into him. To be honest, I wouldn't know how I would react if I did bump into him because there's a, there's a lot of uh, anger there towards him, you know, for for what he's done. But um, like I I wouldn't say I'd, I'd go as far. I wouldn't kill him or anything like that, you know, because like that's 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 not me. I wouldn't do something like that, you know, and uh, I wouldn't lower myself to that level the level that he went to. So, um, I don't know how I would react if I did see him, but um, I wouldn't do anything like physical or, or violent towards him anyway.
4: Just, uh, I know if I ever met him,
3: I'd, I'd confront him,
4: do you know what I mean? And, and I wouldn't be too nice about it either. Like, but now he's out, like I'd say, it's, I'd say out, out, he's more scared of anything else than coming out than anybody else is to him because like he doesn't know what to expect. He's always going to be looking over his shoulder and not knowing what's going to happen to him. So, we have to live with these people because like, they're only literally across the field from my house. And anywhere like I was friends I always around. and these friends look at me as as a oh uh, like that I'm the I'm the villain, you know, kinda of way. Like my family it was my family were the cause of it. Like he's not only he didn't only kill me ma I didn't only kill Mark, he killed him, him, me ma, me dad, my other brother and my sister. Do so, you know like I'm, we have to deal with this thing out when I go up and see his grave, i will be like it, it it does it's it's not it doesn't get to me as much as what it'd get to any of them or me mother and father' I because I barely knew but I, what gets me the most when I, when I when I come home at night and I see me mother there, like, that's when that's what that's what really breaks my heart, so that's what I really want to like me man and dad have been the same. we my man can't go out for a drink now. when she's gone out tonight she's she's gonna come back and cry herself to sleep. Like you know, she, she she's on these tablets where like she just can't sleep on her on her own anymore. Like and we, we have to like wait, wait like like she'd come in and she'll sit in that chair and she'll her play on her radio and Listen to songs of, and then just remind them I can sit there and picture my brother and cry ourselves to sleep. And then we'd all oh, have to come down because they have moved out and I'd have to carry out the bed. And then, like, or that's my man that I can be arguing, like, or either over, like, saying they should have been there and should have done this and should have done that, which it's not it's not their fault, like, you know. And sometimes my man that can lose the head at us, like, at times, you know, like, not now, just. Just snapping out open no look like, out of control and then just saying But like that's that's just basically it. Like you can look around this room and it just pitches me, brother and like if you go up to your room, it's just pictures of me, brother. it's just like a shrine. He has his own little shrine in the corner of days, you see, like the candles lit every day, my mum lights candles. Like you don't know, just hoping for answers. But she never got them like and she's like like she
3: she's really hurt the most, kind of I can't actually say that can I. Yeah. <clears throat> Dad always says in and only know he's drinking, like uh you should it should have been him getting very for it's not not mm. Mark. And uh
5: don't want to bury your own kids.
3: Yeah, it kills me, Dad. Like, all the same, they just be crying and all, you know. And it's hard to see. It's hard to take that in when you see your man that crying,
5: and the way that it was handled afterwards, like um, with the the court system and and the authorities over it. it just, it was just dealt with wrong. It was like, it's like we've been hurt as a family by Mark's uh, murder, but we've been like, you know, the hurt has been piled on by the way the government have handled this, the way we were treated in the court. The fact he was given manslaughter, that we were made. Like you know, uh, we were made as if like you know that we were nobody. Um, the prison service I know has spoke to my man that, but like me dad says, he's m- unlikely to run into them. It's gonna be the likes
4: of us. Um. We haven't got any help from the prison yeah. system. I don't know. It's the first I've ever heard of. i never heard of that. like really, are they supposed to give you help?
5: With the prison system, I think a good idea with our families who've suffered horrific crimes and murders and, and stuff like that, and if they have this victim liaison officer, maybe like, you know, a visit out to a house of a family who's been, and give them warnings of what, you know, to expect, what other families have gone through. We have to find our own way of dealing it because nobody has the time to come out and spend, you know, a half an hour, Explain it to us.
4: Well, no, nobody's definitely not knocked here, anyway. You know. I, I honestly, that's the very first time I've ever heard that. what is it a victim victim yeah, liaison right.
3: episode I've I've never heard a phone even a phone call or something, you know, just to say like that it's set in stone. He's going to go out on such and such a day But to get the letter and then to find out that he's already out, and my mom could be going, it could be going round town, and she could have met him in in town, you know thinking he's
4: and, to be and in prison. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we, exactly. We could have watched a town and then he could have walked by me and I would have said, no, nah, couldn't be. He's in prison. And I would have just walked on. And then Jeremy and with all of us, we could be sitting in the bus next to him. I could be talking to him. I could be even having a conversation with him. And then I'd be like, no, nah, but it couldn't be because he's still in prison. And as I said, from this liaison officer, it's that whole writing is letters because like she should, she should come out and contact the victim and say, look, he's coming out in the 20th. Two months before, it, even a month before, it, as soon as she finds out, she should be in a car.
1: Somewhere else, in an unknown location, a 32-year-old man is unpacking a suitcase, preparing for his new life. At the O'Keeffe's house, the belongings of another young man, who would also have been 32, are being unpacked in a well-worn ritual.
0: Oh, this is a, this is an old case of mine that I had years ago when I was in my youth. It's now the life and times and death of Mark O'Keefe's belongings, the mementos, the memories, is all in this little case. These are just the mask cards from the neighbours, friends and whatever. And other things in it is the people of Pops and the dirties and that, you know, names that he had. Whatever. Now this other plastic bag here. These are more stuff he had in his pocket. I have it tied in and so I won't open it. A lighter it's hall door key. And this bag here contains this is Mark's bag. It's a little brown envelope. Now this is the most treasured and personal thing that we have been at the mark. That's the last slip-up. A uh, lock of his hair. That's the only personal thing that was part of Mark that I have, and it means a lot to us. It means more than anything else that we have in the case, because we know that's part of him. We can touch it, feel it, you know. And uh, just before they put the lid on his coffin, I asked the undertaker, "Would he take a snip of his hair?" Which is a terrifying moment because you know that. That's the, that's the final that's the final team because he's laid to rest after that we, we'll never ever see him again after that now that's us just leave back in the case again not much to show for 20 years 4 months and 5 days but it proves that he was on this earth it proves he lived It proves he was somebody, he was a human being, with feelings. And he shouldn't have died the way he died.
1: It's now late April 2009. Eight months have passed since I first visited the O'Keeffe's and four since the release. Ahead of Mark's 12th anniversary, Tommy and Shane are cutting the grass around the memorial. Summer's on its way and Shane's sleeveless t-shirt displays a large tattoo of Mark's face on his upper arm.
0: Now that's why are up a little bit.
1: When I visited you last, Tommy and Shane, you just heard the news that Mark's killer was released early before you'd even got the letter. That's correct, yeah. How do you feel about that now as the twelfth anniversary approaches, just felt loyal.
4: to kind of basically like felt like I, I think they kind of meant for that to be, do you know, what I, like, I honestly, do I think that they wanted to get him out of prison where it was known, and then send the letters and maybe 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 say it was a clinical letter, it was a mistake or something like you know, so that we wouldn't actually know the exact date in case we, we they maybe have, what, we would have thought that we were going to harm him while he was coming out of prison. So they probably wanted them to get him out of prison and get him gone, and then then inform us. And date the letters back so that we wouldn't know if you understand.
0: Well, she was indifferent to the case. Like, she was only there to represent his interests and his future, and the way that he can conduct himself when he gets out of prison. And hopefully, like like according to them, that they would like to see him move on with life, and have a normal life, have a family, a job. You know what we all expect. Get of like, get a get a, a second, second chance.
1: A se- second chance. If you were to guess. How many victim liaison officers do you think there are in the whole country?
0: Uh, a rough guess. Uh, I would say probably about 80. but I'll say.
1: When I was researching for the program, I discovered that there's only one that the, the woman you were dealing with is the only victim liaison officer that there is for the whole country. Does that surprise you?
0: Yeah, it does actually, you know. One person. I can't see how just one person can cope. Like, with four and a half million people of a population in this country and expanding, that there's only one victim liaison. Considering the amount of violence that we see on the news each day and we read in the papers, how, how in God's name could that one person deal with the families of those victims? Like, you see, you'd want to be a superwoman now for to get money into the country to and on. have time and knowledge, like, s- specific knowledge of each victim's families. I can't understand that to be honest. one person. can't understand.
1: That's unbelievable. As well as dealing with the families of homicide victims, the prison service's only victim liaison officer also has responsibility for dealing with the many victims of serious violent or sexual offences. In the 11 years Mark's attacker was in prison, the Guardie recorded 1,000 homicides... 19,000 sexual offences and 38,000 assaults.
0: And then you have to leave the serious criminals getting quarter of a sentence, five, seven years, knocked off because they're, they're supposed to be of good character now, reformed, good behaviour, they're very good in prison. But the fact of the matter is they've no choice but to be good in prison because there's no way of getting out. They're stuck in like an eight by eight cell. What harm are you going to do to the public there? You know what I mean? So why should they give them time off Mark doesn't get time up. He's dead for life. We'll never see him again. He's not going to get leaked. He's not going to come back here in another ten years' time and say, well, that's it. I'm not the with time now as being dead. Now I'm alive now for another five years.
1: Do you think you'll ever hear from Mark's killer again?
0: Hopefully, when we
4: find out he's in the ground. It's, not, it's the next time I want to hear about
0: him. I don't really want to ever even think about him or his family you know, to be honest with you
4: well you can't, you can't actually say that, like, in all of the back of my mind that, that, that oh, there is a, a vengeance and, and like as if like if we did meet him like, a, a, as much as what my brothers might have said like,
0: I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to just walk by and... it would store up emotions to be honest with you you know like, I can't say how I'd respond to, like, if I ever met him again after going to show him saying on the day that Mark died what happened to Mark and saying how Mark died you know so that would come into my mind if I ever crossed them again, which hopefully I don't. Like, there's a lot of people out there, victims, and they are feeling the same thing. They have to carry that all through their lives till the day they die. But the only thing about with me is I know where I'm going when I die. I visit the grave of Mark all the time, and I know I'll be the next one in there. You know, so that's the way I look at really, it, you know. I just I move on and look after my family and my grandkids, and after I die and pass on. Then I'll see Mark, and that'll end the pain for me then. Hopefully.